The following is a continuation in our series called Stories in the Shadows, looking at how we see Jesus in the Minor Prophets. We hope you enjoy. All right, everybody open up to the book of Obadiah. All right, Obadiah. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you that once again we can open your scriptures and learn, Lord, especially from some books that we probably don't spend a whole lot of time in, Lord. So we pray that as we open up this very short but very important book that you would teach us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Right, so you all know who Muhammad Ali is? No. Very famous boxer. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Very kind of arrogant, was very proud of his accomplishments, and he uh, just boxed with that level of just pride. And in his heyday, there's a story about him on a plane, and the stewardess walks up to him and tells him to put his seatbelt on. And this is what he said. He said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. So the stewardess replied, Superman doesn't need to fly on a plane either, sir, so please put on your seatbelt. Got him, right? Got him. So tonight, tonight we're going to talk about that very issue, this whole idea of pride. Because we can get puffed up in pride. We can get prideful in ourselves and the things that we do where we don't feel like we have to listen to other people in their rules. So I want to start by asking this question. How would you define the word pride? Because I want to make sure that we all are on the same page with this. What is pride? Okay, putting yourself too high in your own eyes. What else can pride be? So in that illustration, what was Muhammad Ali's pride? Yeah. Yeah, he didn't need anybody to tell him what to do. And that's at the heart of pride. Does anybody love being told what to do? Okay. I know y'all don't, okay? None of us do, but sometimes it's really, really good for us to be told what to do, even when we don't like it. So tonight, we're going to, again, talk about pride. Pride can lead us to do and say some pretty bold and outlandish things, some pretty ridiculous things, and oftentimes we don't even see our own pride, okay? Sometimes we're blinded by our pride. We don't see the fact that we're putting ourselves above other people or we're being arrogant in any kind of way. And we're going to see a lot of that in this book tonight. The Lord, by his grace and wisdom, actually gave us an entire book in Obadiah, which speaks into the dangers of pride and what the Lord desires to do with our pride, which is to cut it off, to burn it down, to set it on fire. So here's our main point. Pride puts ourselves at the center, which is where Jesus belongs. Pride puts ourselves at the center which is where Jesus belongs. So let's very briefly just look at a couple things about the book of Obadiah. Let's look at the context here. Verse 1, the vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom, We have heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent from among the nations. Rise up, let us rise against her for battle. Uh, The name Obadiah is mentioned several times throughout the Bible, but there's only one time that it actually refers to this very prophet. And as we look at uh, his name and the time that he was prophesying, we can kind of come to some conclusions. His name means worshiper of God. And if you get into the nitty-gritty of the actual way that the word is structured, it can also mean slave or servant of God. So 
Obadiah is somebody who loves the Lord. He is completely infatuated with what the Lord has done for him to the point where he would even be called a servant or a slave of God. Obadiah quotes the books of Joel and Amos. So we know that he's ministering for a time shortly after when those books were written. So we can kind of come to a date where it was before the exile, before they were sent off into captivity, roughly before the exile of Judah. One writer says, at this time, the nation was a hive of political disturbance and the people were divided into factions and parties. So there's a lot of political disruption going on. The nation was on a collision course with disaster. They were divided in many ways. And here comes this country of Edom. Does the word Edom sound familiar at all? If you read throughout the Old Testament, you hear of people called the Edomites. And the Edomites descended from a man named Esau. And you all know the story of Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau were sons of Isaac, and they were born. And one day Esau, who is this strong warrior, is out hunting things, and he comes back. His brother has like a pot of soup. And Esau is so drained and exhausted from his hunt that he sells his inheritance just for a cup of soup. And he gives up his birthright because he's to the point of death. He's so hungry. He's so hungry that he's willing to give up all of his inheritance, his birthright. The birthright was the special honor that was given to the older son, to which they could have a double portion of the father's inheritance. When Esau did this, now it sounds really silly in this story, right? It sounds like, why would you give up an inheritance of a lifetime just for a bowl of soup? But it kind of speaks to Esau and his character, right? He's this prideful guy. He's going to get what he wants. He doesn't care what he does. He doesn't think about the consequences of his actions. When Esau did this, He put his in-the-moment needs above the blessings that God was supposed to give to him. So being the firstborn, he was the one that was supposed to get this inheritance. So looking at that bowl of soup, he said, this to me is way more important than what God has in store for me later. And we can pick on Esau a lot, but we do the same exact thing in many different ways. We look at our present circumstances and we say, you know what? I need this more than I need to pursue God at this point. I need this thing, this thing that will bring me so much joy instead of actually following God's word. So Genesis 25:34 says, Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose away. And then it says this. This is actually very important, and it ties directly into our passage in Obadiah. It says that Esau despised his birthright. He despised his inheritance. And who did that inheritance belong to at that point? It belonged to who? His brother? His brother? His brother, Jacob, okay? So he despised the inheritance that belonged to his brother. In essence, he's saying he despised his brother. He hated his brother. Now, the way that this ties in, the Edomites that show up in Obadiah were descendants of Esau. God's people were descendants of who? They were descendants of Jacob. There was always this tension between the Edomites and God's people. And here things come to a head in Obadiah. The Edomites were constantly waging war, constantly picking on, constantly putting down, constantly causing issues for God's people. So Obadiah comes in and he's saying enough is enough. Okay, we're going to stop this right now. This contempt is seen so clearly in our book here. They plagued Israel for years and years and years and years. And Obadiah speaks to the danger and pride that comes from that kind of attitude. So when in Genesis 25:34 when it said Esau despised his birthright, that's the same attitude that carried over for generations and generations. And that just led to a bunch of pride and arrogance. 
So again, Jesus is not physically in this book, but we see glimpses and pictures and shadows of him. We'll see that he alone provides the answer for pride and arrogance. So let's look at how we see Jesus in this book. Let's look at verses 2 to 4. He says this, Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwelling, who says in your hearts, Who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like at the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. So Obadiah uses, again, the story of Jacob and Esau as a word picture to describe the situation that's going on here. Okay, so there's these Edomites, these prideful people. Edom followed in the footsteps of their forefather. And they set up these, these cities, these fortresses. Okay? The Edomites actually lived in these mountain cities. Like They would build their cities into the sides of mountains. And they would hide in the clefts of the rock, as he says in verse 3. You who live in the clefts of the rock. So their cities were considered impregnable. You couldn't get in. You couldn't just storm the gates and take over because it was a mountain, right? It's not easy to take over. So through that, they became a little puffed up. Nobody can take us over. Nobody can come into our cities. Nobody tells us what to do. And that just led to further and further pride. In fact, one of the rock formations that's at the center of one of their major cities was over 5,000 feet tall. So try taking that over in a battle. That's hard. So it was strategic. And it actually only took a few soldiers to defend these cities because of how strategic it was. So when he says in verse 3, The pride of your heart has deceived you, those who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwelling. Their error was that they rested in what they had built for themselves. They rested in their cities. Their security was their fortress. Think about how that went for King Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel. It didn't go well for him. His pride led him to madness in the wilderness. We also see pride in the way that they did business. Okay, So they pretty much controlled the trade routes. They pretty much controlled the commerce. They held this thing that was called the King's Highway. Uh, this was near the Fertile Crescent. If you remember your history and geography, this was a trade route that went through Edom, which meant they had access to everything. If you actually go back in the book of Numbers, Numbers 20 and 21, Israel, as they're wandering through the wilderness, requests access to go through this area, and the Edomites deny them. They say, no, you can't come through here. We're not going to let you come through here. And where do you think that came from, that attitude? It came from the same pride that they had from their forefather Esau towards Jacob. So it's not just this centralized thing. It's, it's this long-standing feud between these two groups. Uh, so their error was they wanted to use these things, their cities, their trade routes, to glorify themselves instead of glorifying God. Esau built a life on self-reliance. And these people are doing the same thing. And this blatant bitterness for the hatred of his brother, if you look in verse 10, it actually mentions Jacob here. Because of your violence done towards your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. So there's no hope for these people. Uh, They are so far off. They are so far gone. They have hated God's people so much that God is saying, shame is going to be upon you. I'm not going to show you any mercy here. Now, the very interesting thing about this is God's people were actually directed to love the Edomites. If you go back and read Deuteronomy 27, it says, You shall not abhor an Edomite, for he is your brother. So God's people who are told to love the people that hate them, these people respond by hating them even more. If you think about the way that Jesus talks about how we are to love our enemies and pray for our enemies, that's exactly what God's people were called to do. 
That's what we're called to do. That's another way that we see Jesus in this passage is the way that the Israelites were told to respond to their enemies. So let's very briefly look at verses 15 to 18, where it says this. He's talking about the day of the Lord. We talked a little bit about this when we looked at Joel. It says, For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually, and shall drink and swallow, and shall be as though they had never been. But in Mount Zion there shall be those who escape. It shall be holy. The house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire. The house of Joseph a flame. And the house of Esau a stubble. And they shall burn them and consume them. There shall be no survivor for the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. So again, we see this theme of the day of the Lord. This has two things in mind. The day when they go into captivity that the Lord returns them. Uh, But it also has the day when Jesus comes back in mind. This returning of God to restore everything that had needed to be restored. And Obadiah uses a series of three metaphors here to show us what's going to come from Edom. Look what he does here. He says that Edom had looted Judah's possessions, but now the house of Jacob was going to do what? They're going to get their possessions. He says Edom had joined the invading armies to consume Judah in verse 18, but now they're going to be the ones that are taken over. They're going to be like stubble. He says that Edom had set up roadblocks, if you, again, if you look at verse 18. And they did not allow any survivors to come through. Now, God is saying, from you, there's not going to be any survivors. No hope. No mercy. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. Okay. Jesus teaches a little bit of this in the Golden Rule. Okay. We are to treat others as the way that we ought like to be treated ourselves and here these people they're not treating their brothers well they're not treating their long lost brothers well which is why god is going to cut them off so where's jesus in all this jesus is the embodiment of humility he is the only answer to our pride the only answer to us not being able to get over the things that people have done to hurt us The only answer to the way that we view ourselves and the way that we think about ourselves, the way that we put ourselves above others, he's the only answer to that. As Edom hated its brother, Jesus calls us to love our enemies in Matthew 5.44 and pray for those who persecute you. As Edom was puffed up with pride, we're reminded of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament when he says this, Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Jesus actually mentions that pride is the mark of a defiled person in Mark 7.22. And we touched on this when we went through the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. Esau's choice to sell his birthright is actually used as an example of ungodliness, as an example of pride, a person who put physical desires over spiritual blessings. So Esau teaches us to hold fast to what is truly important. Nobody is really pressing in on that. He's saying, you think you're all that? You think that you're like this awesome person and doing all these awesome things? Put yourself next to God. Now how does that make you feel? Jesus is showing us that we need to think less of ourselves, to put away pride and, and put on humility. His life was the epitome of that. I watched a video on YouTube this week. This is quite humorous. It's a YouTube video, and it's still up. It's called Chick Bank Robber. And it was about this girl. Her name was Hannah Sabata. 
and she ended up robbing the Cornerstone Bank in Waco, Nebraska. She took about $6,000 in November of 2012, and in her pride and arrogance, she did what you know any smart person would do. She went on YouTube, and she held up the money, and she kept putting up these cards, telling about all the things that she did, and she, she essentially said, I robbed this bank. Now I'm going to pay off all my student loans. Now I'm going to go on a shopping spree and all this. To which, what do you think happened? The police came and arrested her because she posted it online, okay? So her brief criminal career ended as the police took her into custody. Okay? And what is at the heart of that? Arrogance, pride, stupidity. Okay? Our pride causes us to do some pretty dumb things. We will do anything for the attention of others. We'll do anything for the approval of others. We'll do anything to put ourselves over others. And Obadiah is showing us that we need to examine our hearts and see the areas where we're seeking that kind of prideful expression in our life and calling it to the carpet because God doesn't deal gently with pride here in this passage. Okay? Remember what he called God's people to be like compared to Esau. They said they're going to be a fire to you. They're going to burn that pride to the ground. So this is a huge encouragement for us to look to the one who actually shows us how to be humble. The one who is never prideful. The one who never put himself above others. And that's who? Jesus. So here's some weapons to pride. This is from a pastor down in Florida. I think it's helpful. He says this, If you want to have a weapon against your pride, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let another one praise you, but never praise yourself. Never think that you're adequate in yourself, uh, but rather trust in the adequacy of God. Regard others with quality, even higher than yourself. Do not ever be haughty in your estimation of yourself. And always associate with lowly people, those that are underneath you, because uh, it will keep us humble. And all of this is, turn your attention to verse 21. I want to end with this. All of this is simply because God is the one who is in control. Jesus should be at the center of our lives. And Obadiah touches on this here. Savior shall go up to Mount Zion and rule Mount Esau. And the kingdom shall be whose? It shall be the Lord's. He's the one who should be at the center of attention. He's the one who deserves the boasting that we have. It should never be in ourselves. It should always be in what God has done. So let me pray for us and we'll... Go to small groups. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Father, we do thank you that you bring us humility and that you uh, lower us in our pride, Lord. Even though that hurts sometimes, even though we don't like it, we thank you for it. We thank you for always teaching us to look to Christ. So I pray that as we engage with this material a bit tonight, that you would help us to think about the ways that we can be prideful and the ways that we can submit ourselves to you and be humble before you in all that we do. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an eye out for more audio upcoming from WYO.